Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today, I'm delighted to bring you a podcast with Alyssa Kaufman. Alyssa just finished the California International Marathon yesterday by running it in 3.04, which is a 15-minute PR. It was a stacked field. Uh, you may have seen it. It was the national championship for the women uh, this year, and just a, it's a loaded field, and Alyssa did very, very well. And that 15-minute PR that she set, that was a PR that she had set previously just five weeks ago at the New York City Marathon, and before that she almost set a half-marathon PR this fall at the Ventura Half Marathon. But that doesn't mean that 2017 was a walk in the park for her. She actually ran 404 in Boston this past spring because of injury uh, issues, which put her out for almost two consecutive months this past summer, where she ran basically zero miles for two months, which is uh, hard to believe considering what she was able to put together uh, this past weekend. So I'm excited to talk to her. If you're a fan of the Rambling Runner podcast, or if this is new and you decide after the fact that you like what you hear, please share uh, as much as you can. We definitely want to get this podcast out there. Also, another way of doing that is rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes, which you can do on your mobile device. Lastly, we have a Facebook fan page. If you go to Facebook and type in the Rambling Runner podcast, it will pop right up. I share each episode every week, as well as videos and articles that I find interesting. That's enough about me. That's enough about the podcast. Let's talk to Alyssa. Happy running. Alyssa, welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's so good to talk to you, especially since this is like the third time we've tried to get this thing done. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Well, it's great to be here. Oh, it was great to have you, and you have had um, quite a long 24 hours, I must say. You got in a little uh, little late last night. Yeah, so up at 3.45-ish yesterday for the marathon, and our flight took off at 9.15 p.m. Um, we live about 45 minutes from the airport, so I made it home around midnight and was up at about quarter well, I was at work at about quarter till six this morning. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And as a, as a wife and a mom and someone working and running, it is uh, certainly a lot to handle. Um, but you would never know that by looking at your results. My goodness, 3.04 in the marathon yesterday at the California International Marathon, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, which was also the Women's National Championship. Obviously, yes. a sta- obviously a stacked field, and for you running a 15-minute PR, first of all, congratulations. I mean, you must have been over the moon when, that, when you came down the finishing shoot. Yes, yes, thank you. It's been a long journey. My full marathons always challenge me, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that. And, and before we get into your CIM experience, which obviously was an exciting one for you, Oh, yes. As, as, as good as the fall has been in terms of your running and racing and training, um, it was basically the exact opposite in the spring leading up to, to your, uh, your Boston experience. I'd love to hear exactly what happened with that and, and how you know, you're able to, to deal with that frustration leading into the summer. Okay. Um, yeah, so the year started out really promising. I 
um, PR'd my 15K at the first race of the year. I broke an hour, and um, things were looking up. I had just PR'd my half um, right before uh, 2017 started. And I had just met uh, Maria, who you interviewed a couple weeks ago. Um, I just met her and realized that she lived by me, even though I met her through Instagram. And she invited me into our the running group that she runs with. And I got to meet a bunch of amazing runners who taught me so much that I never knew. I couldn't believe that I was just running by myself around town all the time when there was all these amazing runners around me. And she introduced me to Hansen's Marathon Method, which I'd never used, um, which had a speed workout and tempos and things that I'd never really uh, done before or a big workload of it, like is in Hansen. So it really improved my speed. Um, in February, I had a big three and a half uh, minute half marathon PR and leading into Boston, I was feeling so positive after that. And just, you know, three weeks before the race, I started feeling a really weird tightening pain in my leg. Like and my whole leg was cramping. I couldn't really pinpoint where it was coming from, but I was like, well, it's just like tightness. I, I'll see if I can run through it. And one day on, I was trying to do one of my long runs and I only made it three and a half miles before I said, I can't run on this anymore. Something's really wrong. And that's pretty crushing three weeks before Boston. Uh, I had this big trip planned with my mom. So uh, I didn't know exactly what it was. I kind of left it undiagnosed. I know it's not a great idea, but I thought maybe I'll just cross train for three weeks and just see if I can make it through Boston. (laughs) So I tried that and it didn't really work in my favor. It was a painful limp walk through the finish at 404.50, I believe my time was. Um, it, it was pretty painful. <laughs> so finally, I went to the doctor like I should have in the first place and got my MRI. And I was expecting some sort of tendon or ligament injury because I kind of felt the pain in the back of my leg. But it turned out to be a stress fracture in my femur. Uh, that I was running on since three weeks before Boston, I guess. Trying to, I tried to wrestle after Boston. Of course, I couldn't run at all, um, and I waited till about a month after to finally get diagnosed. So that was a tough pill to swallow, but it was good to know what was wrong. So that kind of put me out of running at all for four months, and I just cross trained in the pool and tried to keep my head high because I actually had already signed up for CIM before I even got injured, before Boston happened. So I knew, I was like, if Boston's going to get messed up, I'm going to let this thing heal and I'm going to come back and at least do CIM the way I want to. So I'm kind of glad that it eventually turned out that way. I mean, the, the, the picture you paint there sounds very optimistic and rosy. At the time, (laughs) <laughs> How did it feel when you know, you're three weeks out, you're about to start your taper, you're coming off some of the best running of your life. How did it feel in that moment? Like, What were some of the things that you were grappling with? You know, uh, I there was some tears shed, I'm not going to lie. And the fact that I was taking my mom to Boston for the first time and she was excited to see me run and I knew it wasn't going to be the race I was hoping for. 
and it's like the greatest marathon in the world and you know it's it's always disappointing to feel like you wasted all that training so I didn't feel great at the time but I knew you know there's nothing you can do so so I tried were, to stay positive right and so for you what was the key to kind of overcoming that not only physically because obviously you did and, and you did all the the was necessary and obviously took a lot of rest as well but mm-hmm. mentally in terms of kind of staying involved and staying engaged like what what were some of the who were some of the people and what were some of the things that you had to do to kind of to stick with it so that you know when you were ready to start training again that you weren't just going to be down in the dumps you were able to, to capitalize on the opportunity well i definitely um social media actually is funny but it actually really helped me out um you know, as much as I was jealous that everybody could run, they were also the most positive and encouraging people. And, you know, injuries are not uncommon in running. So there was tons of people that reached out to me and said, oh, this is happening to me too. You know, I know exactly how you feel. Or there's the other stories that you see of other runners overcoming injuries and making huge comebacks, you know, even... Shalane Flanagan just did that this year, you know, she had a bad injury and ended up winning New York City. So, I mean, on every different scale, obviously, that's a greater scale than me, but um, on every level, this has, you know, it happens. And um, it was so nice to meet, connect with other runners that it's happened to before and also to be inspired by watching their, their comeback. So, I knew there was light at the end of the tunnel and that there would be other races and it's even happened to me before and I've come back. So, and also, of course you said not physically, but swimming all the time actually helped me mentally too, just to know that I was staying in the game and that I would still have some cardio and that the comeback wouldn't be as big of an uphill climb and just keeping me busy, you know, keeping me kind of on my routine Because I would go to the pool at the time I would normally run, you know, so I would try to just kind of stay active that way. And it helped me mentally as much as physically. Right, because that's the other issue, too, right? Because you want to make sure that your body is is fit when you can, you know, in order to, you know, for you, when you you got back into running in August, you want to make sure that you aren't all of a sudden spending five weeks just trying to get back to baseline. You you want to make sure that, you know, you're... You know, that you're all the things, you know, you whether you're hopping on the scale, you want clothes fit, all that stuff that goes with, hey, I'm not running two months. How is this going to affect me? Um, you know, for me, I, if I take a week off, I feel like the, the jeans fit a little tighter. So I can imagine just some of oh, that yeah. going on. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, that and, you know, keeping up the cardio and, you know, it helps my breathing too. So. I was just really trying to stay in the game because like I said, I knew CIM was still there. And also I knew all the girls in my running group were going and we had this plan for a long time. And I I was like, if one goal is going to, if I'm not going to see one goal come to fruition, I was really determined to tackle this one. So I did what I thought it took, what I could. There you go. And that's where I want to dive into next because, all right, so you, you started, like you mentioned, in the fall, in the spring, you kind of had adopted more of a handsome style running workout that you had gleaned from the stuff that you were reading. And then when August comes around, it's time to start preparing for CIM. 
what did yes. you start doing from a um, from a training perspective? What 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 were you? Did you go back to your own? You know, do what I think's best, or did you start following a different training plan? I kind of um, yeah, it started out as do what I thought was best, and kind of what my doctor recommended that I start doing. Um, don't run for more than like ten minutes right when I came back. Um, just to not put stress because my injury was, it took a longer time to heal due to my job and I couldn't be on crutches and trying to waitress. So I just had to kind of take a little bit more time off running because of that. But once I came back, um, I could probably just because of the fact I'd been on my feet, um, I could kind of come back a little bit quicker because there had already been some, you know, healing done and I'd been on my feet already I didn't just come straight off crutches and start running 30 minutes um so I kind of was able to go 10 minutes 15 minutes 20 minutes um with each run and basically by the sec uh, end of the second week back I was doing about a 10k I knew that I was trying to go for like a 12 week marathon training plan which meant I only had about three weeks to build a base. So I took it really slow the first week and kind of just built like by 10 or 15% mileage wise every week. And then um, I jumped into like a modified version of the Hansen's plan. I would like shorten the tempos by a couple miles at first and shorten the speed workouts by a couple intervals just to let myself gradually get into it. And by about mm, probably week seven, I was doing the full workouts and kind of catching up to all my friends who were on the plan doing the same race. And yeah, it was kind of like a catch up game, but it was fun to finally get back to where I felt like I was strong again. And as you mentioned, so around week seven, you started started getting back into the form that you had before. And not long after that, you ran the Ventura Half Marathon, which you almost set a PR at. You ran 124, 627 mile pace. So at what point during this fall, I guess during that lead up, did you say, do you not only get back to where you thought you could be before, but all of a sudden you're saying, hey, I think I could do something special this fall? Um, yeah, I think Ventura was that point where I was really excited that I actually, basically, I missed my PR by two seconds. So that was the point where I was like, oh my gosh, I, I think I'm actually <laughs> feeling back to what I was. And I try not to, com I was trying not to compare like the post-injury me to the pre-injury me but it was still encouraging to know that you know this thing just didn't take me out for the whole year that I had something else in me and Ventura was really really the point where I said okay I can do this you know I kind of I uh, marathons always scare me but after that I was kind of like let's do this <laughs> so did you go into that race with a certain expectation or a race plan Actually, funny enough, not really. It was just in place of my tempo run that week. So my goal pace that I was training for, my tempos, my goal pace was 640. So I was like, if I could get anything just under a 640, then I'll basically have done my tempo run for that week. <laughs> so it kind of was just worked into my marathon training plan 
and I was happy with the results. I actually held on to that pace. Yeah, shoot, you got the 627. You more than held on. You, you, <laughs> you dominated that pace. Um, and then at that point, I guess you had some decisions to make, right? Because then all right. of a sudden, you basically did, from what I can tell, almost made a spontaneous decision to enter New York. Yes, actually, I was offered a bib by a company and, you know, knowing how prestigious that race is and it was sort of last minute and I, I went back and forth, but I figured when else is the opportunity going to arise and this would be a great experience and I have to do a 20 plus miler for CIM. So, you know, it's a crowded marathon and there's a lot of sites to see. So it would be a fun one to kind of do a training pace. <laughs> so I said, what the heck? And took the opportunity and replaced one of my long runs with New York City Marathon. <laughs> right. But not only that, but you go out and set your marathon PR in that race. So I, so I have to ask. All right. So at what point in that race did it shift for you from, all right, this is just a tempo substitute to, okay, I'm going to really, you know, I, I can do something special in this race. I can set a new PR. And then the counterbalance of that, of, of the original goal still being CIM and knowing that you don't want to, you know, completely roast your legs for exactly. this goal that you've been thinking about for over a year. Uh-huh. Um, well, my marathons, <laughs> I have a history of getting injured before them. So, my 320 PR that I previously had was almost two years old and I had had so much trouble, you know, even though I had the potential, the speed to beat it, there was always something that happened that, you know, I've always had trouble taking down that 320. So finally just entering New York, um, I tried to find like the balance of, you know, let's use this as a training run but I really want to get out of the 320s too. So um, it was a close one, but I, I think I met my goal there. I, I had some tired feet. I think I wore old shoes, but other than that, I wasn't sore afterwards. Um, I felt good and I think it served its purpose and I got to see the sights of New York and get a new PR while doing it. <laughs> there you go. And, and for you, did the crowd have any effect? A lot of people who run New York are amazed by the crowd uh, at the marathon. D did you have a similar experience? I, yes, I absolutely love the crowd. There's not a quiet moment on the course, except a couple of bridges where people can't stand. But anywhere else, there is just like everybody cheering every borough you enter there's a new welcome for you it was it was a great experience i'm so glad i did it it's probably the coolest 20 mile training run i'll ever do <laughs> and no regrets it was great i can imagine all right so what what did the the period between new york and cim kind of week by week how did that look for you in terms of going from recovery to then doing tune-up work and then back into a taper. Yeah, it was interesting because I also had a Ragnar Trail relay race in there. The <laughs> oh my god! New York. <laughs> I had that was an obligation that I did. Um, actually, it's my son's karate teacher is the captain of the team, and I had agreed to that far long before I was injured too, and long before New York was offered to me. But 
I knew that that was 22 miles split up into three separate runs. So I thought, well, that will serve as good training. And it was tons of hills, tons of elevation. So um, that's what I did the weekend following New York, and which it was probably really good because CIM ended up having a lot of rollers. So that was good hill training for me. Um, but yeah, after that is definitely when I started tapering back. I was doing like peak miles of in the 60s per week. Um, and then I went down the week after that to 50. And then the week of CIM, I only ran about 18 miles before the race. So you had a post in the, I think it was the spring. I think it might have been the, the 20 miler that you were going to do for Boston. That you had to cut down and basically stop running at three and a half miles. And right. in it, in it, you said, I had to quit this run and I don't quit. That's just not what I do. And obviously considering what you, like you just said, you did Ragnar cause you had said you would do it and you, uh-huh. and, and all these other things that you, you'd set up these prior obligations and you had even Boston, right? I mean, you're, exactly. running, on a, you're running on a broken leg. You're running, you're doing yes. Boston cause you'd committed to it. So for you, where did this I don't quit mindset come from and when did it start for you? You know, I don't know. I, I feel like I've always just been a goal-oriented person and when I set a goal, I stick to it and that's probably why I started racing because I had run bef- the very when I very very first started running. It's when I had kids and my goal was to lose the baby weight. So basically, once I lost the weight, I quit. I was like, okay, that was my goal. I ran two miles a day, and I lost the baby weight, and I'm done. So I'm really glad I discovered racing because I sign up for this race. I'm going to train for it, and I'm going to do it. So I just that's been my mindset. I don't know if it came from swimming in high school or what, but I, I don't know. I've always been that way, and that's another reason I just love running. <laughs> And when you were initially getting into running, when did it for you in terms of when you started, all right, you're getting back into racing and you start getting that bug. Um, you, you ran, I think you were your first marathon was put on three. At what point did you say, I think I can, you know, do a sub three. I can be one of the best female runners, you know, around. What, what were some of the things for you that led you to kind of have that belief or did you ever have that belief or was it just more one step at a time? It was actually one step at a time. Uh, I will admit that I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> when I first signed up for a marathon. It started as um, one of those like mud run obstacle races that I did for fun, like with my brother-in-law and my husband And then I got like fourth in my age group and I was like, oh, maybe I'm like kind of good at these. And then I did a 15K one. And then I said, well, if I could do a 15K, I think I could do a half marathon. And this was all within the first year in 2013 when I started. And then I go, okay, if I do a half marathon, I think I could do a full marathon. And mind you, I had no plan. I had no idea what I was doing. So I just like ran a few miles every day and decided to sign up for the Orange County Marathon. (laughs) And I did a 344. I didn't know what Boston qualifying meant. I didn't know what any of it was. I just wanted to see what I could do. And instantly I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) 
there's no feeling like crossing a marathon finish line. And one of my runner friends, uh, who I actually went to high school with her and I didn't run with her, but I knew she was a runner due to social media. And she said, welcome to the marathon addiction. You know, when's your next one? (laughs) So, and then shortly after that, I found out what Boston qualifying time was. And yeah, that was the first, that was the first step. And then Boston qualifying was my next goal. And yeah, once I got that, I was just hungry to just keep getting better. And um, the sub three idea never even crossed my mind until once again, until I met Maria, who was uh, at the time a 302 marathoner on her journey to sub three. And we had around the same half marathon time. And she was like, you can sub three. And like, she believed in me and probably still does more than I do. (laughs) And just that idea, you know, gets me to work harder and I'm still on that mission. (laughs) And that's a great point because it, you make it as does as it's Maria Bettencourt who you're talking about, as you Uh said, uh, who did the podcast a couple weeks ago and also ran a CIM this past weekend. I think she ran 252, 254 CIM. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, she's obviously a, a great runner Amazing. as well. Amazing, yes. <laughs> and and for you, what what does the running group setting provide for you in all areas of your running, meaning physically, mentally, and emotionally? Why is that a positive for you? Um, it's just uh, it's I've been running with them for about a year, so um, for three years I was running alone. Um, and really, uh, I was learning things, you know, from the internet and social media and I would, you know, read about things, but it's different when you're in a group setting and hearing about experiences and, you know, personal lessons that these experienced runners have learned. Um, there's another runner in the group named Erin, who also is a CM. She's a physical therapist and, you know, a 301 marathoner. So she teaches me a lot about recovery and, um, you know, how to take care of your body and make sure you're rolling and stretching and, you know, so many of these things I neglected. And all of their experiences combined, just the emotional support and, you know, how we all believe in each other and lift each other up, it makes a huge difference. I I'm all for, you know, finding runner friends now. It's not the same. I I run alone when I have to, of course, because I, I at work when everybody's running in the morning most of the time. But on weekends, you know, it's good to check in once in a while and talk to a group of like-minded people who all support each other. Right. I feel like there would be a, a big accountability piece to it, right? Especially if they're around your same level, or even some of them are kind of aspirational in terms of what they've achieved. Uh, do you feel like, do you feel like, you know, those, some of those days you're on your feet all day at the restaurant, you got kids running around <laughs> and all of a uh-huh. sudden you have to get a workout in, like, do you feel like you have that piece, whether it's accountability or just competitiveness too? I mean, that could play a part. Oh yeah. And you know, you don't want to let them down either. I mean, the way they believe in you and know what you're capable of, you, you want to live up to that. And Um, it's true though, especially being on the same training plan, uh, training for the same race was huge. You know, they, they all know what workout we're supposed to be doing that day and, (laughs) or that week or how many miles we should be putting in. And, 
it really does kind of in a way hold you accountable and you you know want to make sure that you're your best so I just even when I don't want to after a long day at work you know I gotta get it in there you'll feel better once it's over we've all been there I think anyone who listens to this podcast has had those days they might have even had that day today I had that day today so I know Uh exactly what you mean um so let's get into it let's go talk about CIM I guess first of all before we talk about the race itself what were your expectations coming into the race in terms of your race plan, time goals? Do you have like an A, B, C goal? How did you approach the race itself? Um, yeah, I, I had a time goal in mind. Um, my training, I went, did the tra- Panson's training based off of about a 255 goal. Um, so my main, main, main goal that in my heart I want to do eventually is sub three. And uh, I knew that my training cycle was short and, you know, see how it goes. Uh, All my tempos and speeds seemed to be really strong. But where I did struggle in training was the long runs. You know, I would always kind of fatigue at the end uh, a little more than I used to before the whole femur debacle. I think my 20 milers were stronger in the spring. Um, So I may have needed a little bit more time to build that aspect of my training but I was happy with the tempos and how I got some of my speed back um so I figured based on my tempos I might as well just go for it and see what happens um (laughs) so that was kind of my a goal and b goal of course I would love to do under 305 and then c was just do a pr Right. So for you, when did the race start to get challenging? And I say this, I'll I'll throw the caveat out there for anyone who's ever run a marathon. Basically, the first half is always, as long as you don't kill yourself, you always feel good in the first half, as you should, because you've trained for 26, 13 miles shouldn't be that difficult, especially if you're pacing yourself correctly. So when for you did it start getting real in terms of the self-talk and trying to make sure that you kept that pace that you were working so hard to keep? Um, it started getting real, I would say after mile 17. Um, I started feeling a tightness in my legs. Um, CIM's advertised as a really fast course and it is, it's a great course, but there's lots of rolling hills. So I think my quads were starting to feel it. Um, and you know, like I said, when, when I started to struggle in all my long runs in the training cycle was around mile 18 or so. So I, I don't know if it's something in my training I need to do differently, but I was starting to feel it. So um, I was really trying to hold on, though. And by that time, I think the three-hour pacer was still behind me. So I was hanging on desperately as I could. I took my fuel and I took some water. And um, I made it through the next couple miles, I think, around mm, like high sixes, low sevens. And uh, about mile 20, they actually have on the course, like, a literal, like, brick wall display that you kind of run through, (laughs) hitting the wall. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm feeling like this is a little too accurate right now. (laughs) So it was was a little tough right around mile 20. Um, But I saw a couple of my Instagram runner friends um, on the side cheering for me, and that got me going for the next couple miles. And... Um, they, they weren't my best my t- last 10 K was mentally challenging and it was definitely a positive split race. Uh, but 
um, you know, my positive split was definitely not as much of like a death march as some of my last marathons have been. Like I've absolutely bonked before and I felt this was still my strongest performance. So I have a lot to learn, but I'm improving. <laughs> so did you end up having uh, you know, a kick at the end or was it just kind of a, kind of a slow burn right to the finish line? <laughs> Um, I would go up and down, you know, there was, there was this uh, kind of climb towards the end with a little bridge that was a little discouraging, but then there was like a welcome to the final four sign about the final four miles. And that kind of gave me a little kick. And then towards the end, there's a little steady grade upwards where you're kind of, oh my gosh, when is this going to end now? (laughs) And then once it does, I got a little burst again. So uh, once you can kind of see the big Capitol building and the big Christmas tree and you know it's coming, it's it's a good feeling. So I felt, you know, once I got to that final stretch, it was pretty strong and a great feeling. Well, when you have those tough moments, uh-huh. what, what what is the self-talk that you're going through to try to stay motivated and just kind of keep your goals in mind and not kind of relent to the potential negativity of those moments? Well, I'm, I've ended a lot of marathons and wished I'd done things differently. So I always think to myself, this is your only chance, you know, you've gone this far and it's only going to hurt for this much longer. So, you know, it's hard to give up, you know, when you're already at mile 20 something out of 26, you know. I just kind of talk to myself and I I actually talk out loud sometimes. People running by me probably are like, oh my gosh, this girl's crazy. But, you know, I, I, I say, you can do this. You're strong. You got this. You know, I think about all the hours I put in just for that moment. And, you know, it's a silly time to just let it go. So just fight. It hurts, but I tell myself to fight. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's great. And I, and I don't want to move too far past this because obviously you're still traveling in, in, in an absolutely enormous uh, success and just a huge race. Um, mm-hmm. But you did, but you did mention, you know, you kind of go step by step. So for you, what are the next couple months uh, have in store for you from a running perspective? Um, I'm assuming considering your, your, you know, all the heavy work you did in the fall, there must be some sort of downtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the next couple months, um, I'm actually going to do some pacing, um, pacing the Carlsbad Half Marathon 140 group. So, And uh, we're going to do the Palm Desert Half Marathon relay in February. Me and Maria and Erin are going to be a half marathon relay team. So just a couple of fun runs. Uh, I haven't signed up for my next big marathon yet, but just doing some things to keep my fitness up, but not heavy training just yet. <laughs> so why for you does the marathon have, um, I guess, a greater attraction than the half marathon in terms of playing on your schedule and things that you mm-hmm. just personally get more excited for? Actually, I'm not sure. I think it's just because it requires I don't know if it's more dedication or what, but I think it's something that I just have yet to totally conquer. You know, I, um, I finished, I finished, I finished my last couple half marathons thinking, yes, you know, 
I did that. And I feel like I execute half marathons. You know, I've executed them the way I've wanted to and kind of reached my goal. I love half marathons. I still think they're my strongest distance, but I think that's why marathons attract me because I still, you know, don't feel like I've gotten one totally right yet. And um, I just feel like I could do more and it leaves me hungry, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So thank you for, thank you for basically sharing all of this. I know you're tired. You basically, you've oh. been running more than you've slept in the past 48 hours. So I certainly <laughs> appreciate the time you're spending. Uh, so I'm just going to do a couple quick questions at the end, some rapid fire questions for you. Um, I'd love to hear your responses. So for you, if you're doing a training run, are you going headphones or no headphones? Training runs uh, by myself, headphones with my running group, no headphones. Okay. And if you're, if you got the headphones in, what are you listening to? Oh, wow. I have such a huge variety of music. You it might make you laugh. Um, I have anything from like gangster rap. Um, I have, some punk, some rock, some, I even have a couple classical things on there, I think, and some Zumba tunes. Like, <laughs> it's a very eclectic mix. <laughs> so is that on shuffle, or do you say, all right, no, today I'm listening to Dr. Dre, and tomorrow I'm listening to Kenny Chesney? Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's usually on shuffle, actually, because it kind of, you know, to switch it up kind of keeps me going. If it's all one thing in a row, I tend to zone out. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, what is your least favorite workout and your most favorite workout? Oh, um, I think my least favorite workout is speed workouts, um, mainly because they always fall on Tuesday. And that's when my kids have karate and it's just like a super long day. And to do speed after that is really hard. Um, and I think my favorite workouts or tempos okay so so the, so the least so your least favorite is the speed workouts and your favorite is the tempo run right okay all right and for you what what's the what's the normal length of a tempo run um i guess they average out to be seven or eight miles okay and all right plus plus like a mile warm-up and cool down mm-hmm Okay, so you run in you run in a running group. We've already talked about that. You communicate with a lot of runners and a lot of different forums. So for you, what is the best advice that you give others but have trouble following yourself? Um, to stretch and roll and get enough sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So who motivates you as a runner? Who motivates me? Is there's I don't know, just one person? <laughs> Oh, you, it doesn't have to be one person. Okay. Um, well, the whole entire, uh, obviously, Instagram running community who's been really incredibly supportive with, through all this year. Um, of course, my running group friends, Maria, Gabe, Aaron, uh, Melissa, <laughs> Jen, everybody's there this weekend. Um, they're all supportive of each other, and it's great. And, of course, my husband, who probably has to listen to me griping about running more than anybody. <laughs> He's not a runner himself, but he probably knows more about running than a lot of non-runners. <laughs> so who is your dream running partner? Oh, hmm. I never thought about it that way. 
I don't know. I think I'm happy with the running partners I have. <laughs> oh, that is such a cop out, Alyssa. There has to be somebody. Um, I I don't know. I guess um, it was really inspiring to watch Shalene Flanagan uh, winning the New York Marathon. I was actually fortunate enough to be on the course while she was winning, uh, running by this big jumbotron that was out on the street showing the moment happen. So that was incredibly inspiring. So although it would be intimidating, I guess she would be my dream running partner. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I'm sorry to press you into it. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. So if you could only run one more race for the rest of your life, but you could run it as often as you like, so you run it every year, which which race would it be? Mm, that is really an interesting question. I guess I am going to go with what I always say is my favorite event, and it's coming up right now, the San Diego Holiday Half Marathon. It's one race that ever since I've started running, I've never missed. And I love half marathons and it's quick and the weather's great. And I love this time of year. So it always ends my year on a high note. So I'll go with that one. There you go. All right. Last one. Uh, again, thanks again for doing this. Before we get going, I'll just give you a quick shout out. Anyone who wants to follow Alyssa, if you don't already, I know I on Instagram, it's at Alyssa MWC. That's A-L-I-S-S-A. MWC last one what is your bucket list race you just you did New York this year what is your next bucket list race if you check anything off the list oh I think I would love to do London I there you go another another world marathon major. yes and I've actually never even been out of the country and that's just somewhere I would love to go. And, of course, what better reason to take a vacation than do a race? There you go. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Alyssa. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on your wonderful race this weekend. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Likewise. Have a great day. You too. Thank you.